0: Good evening and welcome back to Mask's weekly radio show on family matters. Mask, mothers and fathers aligned saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles including addiction if you know someone that could benefit from a parent support group, or needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, please give us a call. 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. Maybe it's for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, so, and you usually would sit next to in shul. Our number, again, remember, all calls are strictly confidential. You can even call and be anonymous. Our number is 718-758-0400. So I'm always excited about the people I interview. But tonight is really, really special because not only have I had on one of our guests before on the radio show, I've been working with David Cohn for so many years. Welcome, David. But I also have on Zeldi. And the reason that I'm so excited is because we're actually talking about a topic that for many years has been taboo to discuss. So we are sadly, unfortunately, but very happily talking about the dangers of abuse and the effects that it has on one's emotional, mental, and physical health. I'd like to welcome David Cohn and Zelda Broid from Ray of Hope, which is a fantastic new group, new organization that has been around for a short time, but really, really making inroads into all the communities for help and support. So we're going to hear more about it from them. Welcome, David. How
1: Hi, Rahama. Thank you. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here and to speak with you. We go way back. I consider you a a friend and a a trusted and very, very dear colleague. And I just appreciate you and the work that you've been doing with Mask for so many years. Really, really going back so so far, so pr- probably almost as many years, if not all the years of my career, my professional career. So, so, so what, how many good?
0: years has it been, David? Too many <laughs> to
1: count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we are in our twenty fifth year, wow. and over a hundred and eighteen thousand families, and David, you have been there for many of the families of mask. Um, Almost from the beginning, I shall say. Yeah. So, um, thank you, and always wonderful working with you and collaborating.
1: Thank you. And um, the feeling is mutual. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And Zeldi, welcome aboard. How are you? Hello.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Rukhama. And thank you, Mass, for all the amazing work that you do. Rukhama, I'm trying to remember when we first met. It's, it hasn't been too long.
0: Was it last year? Well, it feels like last year, but I think it was before COVID the first time. And and that feels like five years ago. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so yeah, it's wonderful having you both on. And I'd like to just um, speak about first that this month uh, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And together, uh, MASK and all the organizations are trying to, you know, break that stigma and provide support to families living with uh, family members, loved ones that struggle with mental health, mental illness. So, David, you want to do an opening on... Um, mental health and why you got into it with Ray of Hope, please.
1: Sure. Sure. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I've devoted my life to, to working and helping people um, with challenges that we all in some way, shape or form can relate with. You know, we may not all be directly touched with addiction. We may not all be directly touched with a mood disorder or another struggle, a mental health struggle. But whether it's directly, certainly indirectly, whether it's directly ourselves or family members, every single one of us is touched by challenges in mental health. And this only becomes more so over time, not less so, really. You know, the world is increasingly stressed and anxious and um you know, the the more organizations and supports that are there on a communal level, on an individual and on a family level, you know, the more we can really fight and um, get the message to people that nobody needs to suffer alone, that there's help for everything and there's support for everything. And it's a matter of just educating and spreading the word and doing the good work. So I had the good fortune of really, it's been a relatively short time. It has definitely been post-COVID, you know, that I've met Zeldi really since about April time. And um, we hit it off. I really felt like I have a kindred spirit, somebody that really is is dedicating her life to doing good work and helping people for all the right reasons and um there's no ego involved, and it's just about, you know, the mission of um, bringing support to people that could use it. And um, I'll let Zeldi speak for herself in terms of what what makes her bring bring herself to this and dedicate herself to this, but it's really it's an honor for me to be part of Ray of Hope And um, and, you know, in addition to the clinical work that I've been doing, really to contribute. And, you know, it came at a perfect time for me. I really wanted to be able to, I think this is maybe a natural thing that happens for us as time goes on in our career, and we grow to a certain point, and we want to then make a broader impact, and we want to have a, a great ripple effect, and I don't mean to, um, to minimize work that we do clinically in private practice, you know, working with individuals and couples, but, but I was looking for something in addition to that to also uh, be a part of, and it's a real honor and pleasure to be part of Ray of Hope.
0: So I just want to mention that David is a therapist um, in Muncie area and an addiction specialist, uh, including other areas. But David has been a therapist for many years has a private practice, as well as supervises Ray of Hope, um, both clinically and bringing it to all the communities of need. So, how did Ray of Hope begin?
2: Okay, first of all, David, thank you so much for your kind words. It's been amazing having you come on board. So, we feel very fortunate. It's a huge honor. Okay, so it's always amazing for me to be able to really reflect back on how Ray of Hope began. And you see it so clearly. I mean, I see it. like You see how everything in this world is so beautifully orchestrated by God. You know, from a young age, I wanted to be able to help others in the way that I would have greatly benefited from. And I remember our conversation that I had with a friend. It must have been in my early 20s, you know, telling her, I wanted to do something, but I have no idea how to go about it. I don't know what I want to do, but I had it in me knowing that I want to be help, helping others in the way that I knew that, you know, I would appreciate appreciated. And, you know, I had a, I met an amazing young woman, and I had a conversation with her, and we were talking, and we were saying that, you know, there are no... There's no support group, there's no organization that provides peer support groups for survivors of sexual abuse, specifically, where survivors can turn to each other and meet each other and really get support they needed, you know, in conjunction with our own individual work. Um, And, and, you know, we said, you know, I know a couple of women, she knew a couple of women, like, let's start a group together. And that's exactly what we did. We started a little group in Flatbush in someone's private home, which was completely private, this, you know, group of women and not knowing what would happen or what it would morph into. Um, but it was a beautiful little group. And, you know, from then on, that's really how Ray of Hope was born. So I had no idea what was going to come of it. I just knew that I wanted to be able to help others. And from that real, that little group, really, you know, the organization was born um, just a short while ago. This has just been like three years. So it's it's so beautiful how like it just evolved so organically and naturally.
0: Sounds um, like the way mask began in my living room as well. Oh, really? So, yes. In my living room. Uh so yeah. Well,
1: Closing for good things begin on a grassroots level because there's a, a need in the reality. And then when you meet that need, because it really is real, it just naturally will evolve and grow and develop because, you know, it, so many more people need to be touched in the same way. Right. So I, didn't,
2: I didn't even know. Like back then, I'm like, I didn't realize that this is what survivors need. Like, I didn't realize how many people are going to react in that way and really feel like, oh my goodness, like you have this in Brooklyn. Now let's go open it up a liquid. And then in Muncie, like people started reaching out, I'm like, oh my God, this is a real necessity and a real need. And then, like, a, you know, it turned into an organization. But I didn't, I never knew and anticipated back then that this is what's going to happen. So it's, it has been the most humbling, amazing experience for
0: me. Absolutely, color code to you and to all your staff and volunteers. Um, so yeah, masks started in my living room 25 years ago, and when we began, we had no idea. Do you think for one minute I thought I'd be here 25 years later doing this? No yeah. way, no way. I remember. Chaim Winter, one of the therapists, when I started the first support group for parents, I remember him saying, I have a feeling, Rahama, you're going to be doing something with this. And uh, really, it was with him that it all began, that he was so dedicated to that group of parents that were struggling 25, imagine 25 years ago. People didn't want to speak about anything. And now we're talking that you use the word. I used the word abuse, but you actually use the word sexual abuse. And the reason I want to bring that out is because I remember years ago, 20 years ago, you know, I used to fly around the world. They would bring me to stock groups in different parts. And I remember one of them said, you could come and start a group for us, but please do not use the word sexual or abuse. I said, what do you want me to call it then? It was really very heart-wrenching for those families when we couldn't address it at all. So I really want to say that because of all the wonderful organizations out here that are dealing and addressing this topic of sexual abuse the one thing we need to do always is offer resources not just talk about it so we've spoken about it the last several years and this resource of ray of hope is the one piece that has been missing all this time, the last couple of years, that we did not have a place to send the victims to feel validated, peer support. Uh David, you wanna
1: continue yeah.
0: with that please?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would love to. You know, we we've like you were saying Rahama, the community overall the Jewish communities has evolved and there's so many competent and wonderful and skilled professionals to turn to. And and we can always use more in terms of resources that never ends. But really, we've grown exponentially. And um, the professionals that are there to provide professional treatment um, is there in a way that just has never been there before. And like you were saying, the piece that has always been sort of left out and waiting to be filled in, which is part of what makes Ray of Hope so wonderful, is that it has such a specific and clear mission around this, is that people that are survivors of sexual abuse and assault and or assault, you know, they so much of the suffering that happens is with because the experiences have happened through secrecy and through shame. And their stigma, and even if they're going for treatment, and even if the treatment is wonderful and effective and helpful for them, there's still a certain element of loneliness and isolation that people that have been through these experiences are are going through because these are not conversations that you can really bring. To in a, in a casual way to your real-world friends and relatives, unless you know that they've had similar shared experiences. It's just something that doesn't lend itself to bring that level of openness and vulnerability. The loneliness, the shame, the stigma, it can still be there, even if a person has been going for treatment. So Ray of Hope comes along and says, let's bring groups that are support groups. They're actually a hybrid support group because what we actually do is we bring, we bring in professional therapists, people that are real specialists in the areas of trauma, and experience to facilitate support groups. So they are support groups, but they're professionally facilitated support groups. So they're not treatment. They're not there as a substitute for the therapy that people might need for themselves for their own healing process. But what we want to bring is a community of support so that people can um, know that they're not alone, not just in an intellectual way, but in an, an experiential way so that people can benefit by being part of the group Um, by having emotional support, by being able to have a place where they can share information with peers, get advice, by having this social network and friendship that's that's available for them, uh, by having an empowerment that comes about through these types of experiences, by being able to experience role models, right? Peers that have been through this and how they've been dealing with it and how they've gone through experiences and worked with it. And also by learning coping skills, but really primarily the, the the benefit of the groups is this way of plugging into a supportive community of friendship. And so they get to do this on a every other week basis, and it's potentially open-ended. There's a system that we have in place about um, continually assessing the group and the needs of the group that the facilitators do with the groups. But it's a way of um, really providing something that, in addition to their own life their regular life, in addition to whatever professional support and treatment they're receiving, really fills an important void for them.
0: Absolutely. Zelda, did you want to add anything?
2: Yeah, I wanted to add one piece that I would say was like my biggest inspiration in starting this group. There was a feeling that I can speak on myself that was personally felt, and I know so many other survivors out there that have shared with me there's one word that is so associated with a trauma like sexual abuse, and that's called loneliness, and silent suffering, and isolation um, that survivors feel, uh, not knowing that others are feeling similar. And while everyone has their own, you know, their, their different experiences, and they've gone through different experiences with sexual abuse, but there's this shared experience where they're constantly feeling you know, this this loneliness, this void. And they can finally come together and lean on each other and support each other and be in a support group together where they no longer have to feel such levels of loneliness and they can leave their shame at the door and, you know, they could come together and heal together. There's nothing, there's nothing like it. And I constantly get messages from, from members of the group and I'm constantly hearing from people just like really thanking the organization for finally now they can be together with other women and not have to feel this, you know, this level of loneliness that they've felt for so long. Um, you know, so it's, it's really special what these, what these women have been doing for each other. And I actually, I always say this to them. I always repeat the same thing. We've had, we often you know, have events for, you know, some of the groups, they come together and I'm always telling this to them because it is so true. I say, you know, you're all coming together and you're all coming for yourself because, you know, you need the support. So you think like you're coming to a support group because you're, you know, you you want the support. Um, But really, like if you look around you, if you see what you're doing for one another, as much as you're receiving, you're giving to the next person and you are creating such an amazing impact um, and you're offering so much support. It's so life saving. So you know, it's it's very therapeutic for for them to hear as well. As much as they're receiving, they're giving so much to one another. So it, it's so amazing what they do for each other.
1: Just want to piggyback and jump in on that to emphasize and underscore that point. The research uh, shows that people that are in support groups like this, the number one benefit that they will report that has uh, been given to them through the experience of the support group is that they feel like they have been a healing factor for somebody else. in in their journey and even though it's not what they came for and even though it wasn't their their intention, but having that experience is so validating and empowering and healing for people, you know, that I matter and I I made an impact. And I remember once um, a a successful therapist in the field once approaching me and asking me if I remember that in high school he was a grade or two below me. I once had a conversation with him and I was encouraging with him about something. I absolutely have no recollection of any of that happening, but he he was coming to me many years later and sharing how that had a real impact on him. So that's a tremendously healing part of of this. It provides just these opportunities that otherwise are not available for people. Absolutely.
0: You know, we talk about stigma from day one. We've been fighting stigma and, Sadly, because of COVID, we all went through so much. But the good part was that came out from it is that more and more people are accepting to go for help. Uh, all the therapists are booked solid, David. Um, yes. There are waiting lists at every psychiatrist, every psych, what is is uh, booked solid, sadly, and has a waiting list for a bed. But there is something very good to say about that because of the shame and the stigma we've been fighting until now. But let's talk about the shame and the stigma about sexual abuse. People coming out and being seen and going to a support room. Uh, I named it MASK, my organization, so that we take off our mask and the mask of denial of the community. So today, mask is a big word. For some, it's a painful word with COVID. But I feel that Ray of Hope, uh, one of our big ad campaigns was hope. So mm-hmm. I'm so um, happy with that, you name it Ray of Hope, because that's really what, You and I represent hope of healing. So, David, how are these um, people coming in, taking off your mask, how are they dealing with the stigma, the shame, and what is making them show up? I want you to speak to the listeners that maybe need your group. What do you want to say to them about taking off their mask to get some hope?
1: I, I really appreciate that opportunity. And um, Zeldi, if you'll want to sh- share something directly as well from your own heart. But I, I want the opportunity and I appreciate it to, to just say directly to whoever is listening and th- that this might speak to that there are people in the groups that are just like you just like you culturally, just like you religiously, just like you with your um, level of functioning, just like you with your type of family, just like you with your goals in life. And you deserve an opportunity to meet people like that. You deserve an opportunity to, um, to be seen and to be heard and to feel seen and to feel heard. Everybody deserves that opportunity. And our goal, the goal of Ray of Hope is to grow and to develop so that we can offer that opportunity to um, women that are single, to women that are married, to men that are single, to men that are married. We're beginning to move um, in providing groups for men as well. This is an exciting um, new and very new development that we're moving into as well. And the goal is to have these kinds of presence in, in every. Place where there's a Jewish community where there's a Jewish presence, so that people can plug in with like minded folks and feel seen and feel heard and and know that they're not alone
2: yeah hundred yeah, percent and really just to um, reiterate what I've spoken before um, when we talk about shame and stigma because there is so much shame and stigma, you know and like I said, silent suffering can and can cause all of that and you know I, I hear from so many survivors and the loneliness that they they're enduring um and not knowing if others went through similar um how they navigate, how they cope and and really to be able to, like I said, to sit with other like minded individuals and see that they're not alone is tremendously healing. Um we had I think it was around fifty survivors that came together for a Hanukkah event and we had some survivors that got up there for the very first time in their lives and spoke and sheared. And they told me they they never, ever done that before. And they could not imagine finally being able to do that where there was no shame anymore. And to get up and to speak to 50 survivor that they've never seen before because everyone's coming from all different groups and to be able to share their story, share a poem and just finally feel like there's there's a family in itself where there's no judgment and it was was such a beautiful thing to see and for them to be able to experience.
0: I I just, David, I want to bring up the fact that with sexual abuse there are many hundreds of thousands of times that People go to their grave and they don't share it. So we're really running out of time. We have two minutes. I'd like you to just touch on that. And also I'd like to, um, just if you can say where your programs are now located, meaning what areas.
1: Yeah, so so I'll start with the first part and then maybe Zelda, you can jump in with the second part of that question. I, I think that people, you know, people come for help of any sort when they're ready, but also people come for help when they know it's available and when they know that other people are coming for help. Those are It's not just about people coming when they're ready. We become more ready when we know of the resources, and we also become more ready when we know that other like-minded people are availing themselves of those resources. So the more that we spread the word, like this conversation that we're having with you, Rahama, like marketing and advertising, the word of mouth I mean, there's nothing as powerful as the peer influence, you know, from one friend. Um, and, and that happens. Word of mouth begins to spread. And, um, and we hope that as many people as possible that we can touch and be of help for, um, you know, we, we can save the world by just being there for every, each one individual, you know. We're, my, we're parents,
0: my parents always taught all of us that if you save one, you save the world, it says. They yeah. said it every day. Just try to save one. Go into every day right. trying to help one family. Right. So that's right. our goal, one right. a day at least. <laughs>
1: right. Beautiful. Zell, do you want to speak to the groups that we have now with the presence that we're at?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. So now we
2: are currently running six active groups, um, which run on a bi-weekly basis. We have groups in the Brooklyn area, Muncie. Lakewood and a few virtual groups for people who live, you know, in out of town areas, and they are all run by amazing trauma therapists who facilitate these meetings. Um, so that is the, you know, what we currently actively have, and then the groups that are being formed and worked on, like as we speak in the very near future, um, we are, God willing, opening up a group in Florida for married women, Lakewood for single women, um, we have one forming in Muncie. For single women as well
1: and for and yes, men, married men
2: and for married yeah so we have two groups for married men in the pipelines one in muncie and one in lakewood our contact information um, is 845-600-1185 and if you want to reach us by email it's info at ray
0: Thank you, Zeldi. Thank you, David. Hope to have you on again very soon. Good luck to all of you. Thank, Thank you, me. Rahama.
1: It's been an honor and a pleasure to be part of this. Thank you for your, for all the work that you do. Thank you,
0: and I want to wish everybody a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos, and always remember: hang in, hold on, and virtually now still hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Ita Bas Chanoch Aaron, Please consider to go online to maskparents.org and make a donation so that we can continue with all these programs and all the mask programs. Thank you, good night.
3: Hi, I'm Dr. Vossen, the city's doctor. It's that time of year again for your annual flu shot. And with COVID-19 still around, it's just as important to stay up to date with your COVID-19 vaccinations. COVID-19 and the flu have similar symptoms like fatigue, body aches, headache, sore throat, congestion, and runny nose. And both can make you severely ill. So if you have symptoms, it's important to get tested for COVID-19 and flu to know what to do next. The new, stronger COVID-19 booster and the annual flu vaccine are available at doctor's offices, pharmacies, and vaccination sites across the city. So why not save yourself some time and get both shots together? It's safe and effective. I did it and I'm glad I did The time to get your COVID-19 booster and flu shot is now. For more information on flu, visit nyc.gov health flu. And for more information on the COVID-19 vaccine, visit nyc.gov slash COVID vaccine. And you're listening to the TalkLine Network over WVIP 93.5 FM, HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy.